Well, Matt Bodie is not here with us tonight. He's on a week-long, week-long-plus road trip up to Kansas and Oklahoma mm. to support his girlfriend and partner, Emily Bissett, friend yeah. of the podcast, in uh, Dirty Kansas this yep. weekend. And then he's racing uh, Tulsa Tough, which is Friday, Saturday, Sunday of next weekend. That's right. But he and I were up together in Tupelo, Mississippi this past weekend racing the Lambra Criterium Championships mm-hmm. and had a really nice conversation with, uh, I guess I'll call her friend of the podcast, Leslie Robinson uh, of Velovit Racing. Okay. She was up racing in the Women's 4-5 Championship. Anyway, she gave us a very nice in real life review, which mm. we're very fond of. So thanks to Leslie for that. What she mentioned specifically, I think you'll find this interesting, Matt. She said she was painting her house mm. one weekend yeah. recently and um, decided to, to catch up on a bunch of unlistened episodes of the podcast that mm. she had in her podcast queue. Yeah. So she just said she just put the Yeah You Ride podcast on repeat and uh, set about painting her house and got through about four or five episodes as she, as she went through her house uh, doing, doing some painting. Wow. And said she uh, enjoyed it thoroughly, and it was a great thing to do whilst, uh, whilst painting. Uh, and uh, Bodie kind of chuckled and remarked that, uh, well, that must mean that the Yeah You Ride podcast is at least as interesting as watching paint dry. Well, welcome to episode 86 of the Yeah You Ride podcast. This is Sir Cheerio. Well, hello, Sir Cheerio. This is the T-Bone. And we're we're without Bodie Bodie as uh, aforementioned by uh, by T Bone that uh, he's on a road trip and we'll have a little bit more about some of the stuff coming up there a little bit about cans a little bit of cans and news later on but uh, you were referring to earlier the Lambra Crit Championships which I did not attend but uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that Tanzan? so it was great it was two days of racing it was a Saturday afternoon evening event. Uh, and then the Lambert Championships proper were uh, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon crit. And uh, the Saturday race was, was actually a bit more well attended. Mm. Um, I'll skip over that for a moment and just get straight to the, to the Lambert Championships and maybe, maybe jump back and talk a little bit about Saturday as well. But uh, first off, I just want to congratulate our own Bodie Bodie for an amazing race on Sunday. Yeah. Um, they, the uh, Bodie raced the, the Cat 3 championship, and so as I don't bury the lead, Bodie finished second in that race. Nice. Uh, very, very well raced. Uh, not so much from a tactical standpoint as it was from just a pure survival yeah. and endurance standpoint. Uh, he was one of two Cat 3 uh, racers left standing at the end of that race. It was a tremendous amount of attrition. They raced together with the with the ones and twos, so it was a one, two, three race. Threes were scored separately, mm-hmm. and uh, I won't uh, I won't go through a list of 
Cat one and two racers who were who were dropped in that race uh, before before Bodie, uh, but suffice to say that some some big names not just in our region but some yeah. big names nationally uh, wow. were, were dropped in that race um, before before Bodie. Bodie was still with the group after some big names had been dropped uh, and was in it till the till the very last minute, uh, but uh, but was unable to to hang with the with the final big surge from the ones and twos. Um, and ultimately finished second, uh, the second cat three to cross the line. But it was really, really exciting to watch. Uh, he told me that his uh, temperature average on his Wahoo was about 103 degrees. Yeah, for that I saw a hour picture of that. Race. Yeah. Ouch. And I think that was about accurate. Those things are notoriously off just a bit, but mm. on the high side. But wasn't wasn't far off, especially in the sun with the heat radiating up from the tarmac. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if, if that number was was pretty accurate. Ugh. So shout out to him in that race. Really a, a a great event. Kind of a kind of a simple but 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 fun short criterium course. Mm-hmm. Nice location right in downtown Tupelo. There's sort of a new um, new kind of subdivision, downtownish subdivision that they've built. A little downtown renovation going on there. There's a new town hall that they've built, and the race essentially went around the block mm-hmm. that the the new town hall sits in. Nice park that's right there. A little water feature in the park, a fountain, that, um, and uh, you know kids running around and pets running around. The Saturday race, as I said, was a bit more well attended. Yeah. Um, as the evening and afternoon wore on and temperatures cooled down just a bit, sun started to get a little bit lower in the sky. Um, it was a little bit of a festival atmosphere. There are kids running around and, and just uh, food trucks and beer. And Sunday race was a bit sort of hotter and a more typical kind of Lambra criterium race without all the, without all the fanfare. But we had a yeah. great weekend. Um, quickly, I'll just run through some results and, and, and give uh, some, some very short uh, race thoughts in the in the one two race uh, it was Matt Davis Sam LeBlanc Sam LeBlanc and Jack White uh, with the podium in that race mm-hmm. uh, sprint finish between the three of them really came down to a bike throw between Matt Davis and Sam LeBlanc Jack was a couple bike lengths behind um, but that was your podium in the one two race really exciting race lots of action that again was the race that Bodie was in and um, just a lot of attrition but uh, also quick shout out on that race to Scott Cuppersmith who finished fourth. Scott rode his bike from Jackson to Tupelo what? the day of the race, 100, a- 160 miles. <laughs> Got up at four o'clock in the morning, rode to Tupelo, then did the crit, finished fourth, also was instrumental in Jack White's third place finish. He drug Jack back up to the, to the break. There was a break with uh, Matt Davis and Sam LeBlanc. Scott drug Jack back up to that break, rode with the break for about... Uh, three or four laps at the end of the race uh, bowed out of the sprint but still managed to finish fourth he did not ride home I think he got a ride back to Jackson wow. that night but yeah that's insane 183 mile day for for Cuppersmith bonkers uh, in the cat four race that's the that's the the race that I was in that was a sweep uh, by the the guys from Velovit they brought a big team up there um, they they raced a very smart tactical team race. Uh, Chris Lincoln, Trey Schwartzfeger, and Mike McGowan were the Lambra podium. Mm-hmm. Mike finished fourth uh, behind Adam Ferrone, but Adams from Memphis, Tennessee, wasn't eligible for the Lambra podium. But 
Um, that was your top four overall with Mike McGowan, uh, fourth overall, but third in the Lambert podium. Okay. Uh, Cat 5 race, shout out to our teammate Jason Frode. Mm. Rode a very smart race and ended up winning the Lambra Cat 5 championship with a massive last lap effort. Um, he won it handily, didn't even, I mean, it, it came down to a sprint, but it wasn't even close. Uh, Jason sprinted off the front uh, midway through the lap and, and never really looked back. Nice. Was there a bunch of Velovit riders in that field too? Uh, there were three Velovit riders mm-hmm. uh, in that field, uh, finishing a little further down mid-pack. Lots of lots of lots of Velovit riders uh, in the in, in the event, and it was great. Bodie and I had our tent set up right next to those guys. Class group of guys, mm-hmm. really really fantastic um, folks to folks to ride with. Um, I wished I had had a few more of my Urban South teammates up there in my race. And, and, and frankly, I think the guys from Velovit uh, would have wished the same thing, just to make it a little more interesting right. from a team perspective. Uh, but was not to be the case. A long way to go from, to Tupelo from New Orleans, so I yeah. get it. You know, it's as far away as Houston. Yeah, so. yeah. It's what, five and a half hours or something? Yeah, a little more than five hours. Yeah. So, uh, so and that was the Sunday. That was Sunday, yeah. And in the women's race, just quickly, Debbie yep. Milne, Rebecca Smith, and Caitlin Milne, Debbie Smith's uh, daughter, uh, were the podium in the in the women's race. Wow. Uh, Debbie, a former uh, national champion, uh, now uh, old enough to have a, a daughter who's racing. Caitlin finished in third on Sunday. Caitlin won the women's one, two, three race on um, Saturday. Wow. With, with some help from Debbie, and then, I guess, payback. Uh, Debbie, uh, mom took it, uh, daughter took it on Saturday, and mom took it on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, but the Lambert champs, uh, just because there were a number of people from out of state in that race, um, you had uh, Elizabeth Schuster and Meg Moore from Crush Racing. That was 1-2. There were only two Lambert women in the 1-2-3 in the, uh, women's okay. open race. Uh, and the women's four-five race that was Rebecca Smith of Velavit. Mm-hmm. Uh, fantastic race for Rebecca. She also uh, again finished second in the women's open race, but wasn't eligible for the Lambra Championship in that race because it was a women's one-two-three race, and uh, Rebecca is a is a four. Wow. So she finished second in the race, but wasn't eligible for the Lambra. Uh, Super strong, Lambert, though, huh? Super strong, yeah. Rebecca Smith, uh, Tracy Coleman, and in third place, um, Melissa Smith, uh, also from Velavit in the women's 4-5 race. Uh, Masters race, uh, there were only two Lambra riders uh, in the race. Jeff Buse won the 40-plus, and uh, Randy Leger, uh, big, uh, big, I wouldn't call him necessarily friend of the podcast, but friend of all racing locally uh yeah. randy won the um 55 plus nice job Champions. randy emil abraham was in that race and won it overall so uh so those were the results of the lambra crit championship and the uh the racing was fun and i saw a picture of you in the breakaway it was like a two-man break at, at some point yeah, I'd like to say that was a smart move. I have to say, the uh, you know, I was talking to Bodie before the race. I said, I don't know, maybe I'll just try to see if I can get in a break because I had tried unsuccessfully to get in a break on Saturday mm. um, with with Mike McGowan of Velavit. Um, 
and I just didn't have it on Saturday. It just never happened. And on Sunday, I didn't. Bodie said, "Well, I wouldn't try. Don't try to get in the early break. Try to get in the second break because yeah. the early break never never survives." Right. Um, so I, I I did the exact opposite of what Bodie said, and I found myself in an early break. I actually didn't really try. I just sort of rode Mike's wheel, and we we wound up with you know 15 seconds or so on the field. Um, we were ultimately caught. And um, I honestly feel like I kind of got played like a fiddle in that race because uh, I think they drew me out into that early break uh, knowing that they'd catch us. And then uh, two Velovit guys uh, countered that early break yeah. and just rode away. And I was, uh, I was tapped out at that point. So they were able to get away. And, and of course, they, they finished 1-2 uh, in the race. So, But, yes, it was fun. It was fun to be out in the break. It was fun to be just doing something in, in, in a crit. And yeah. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I need a little more top end power and I need a little bit more sort of uh, fast twitch kind of one minute power. But mm. I love driving my bike around a, a crit course. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that's something I can work on and maybe get a little bit better at. Yeah, great. So Matt, you spent the weekend uh, watching bike racing. I watched a lot of bike racing. But just quickly before we leave, so on the Saturday, I saw Bodie got second on Saturday. Bodie also finished second in Second the, on Sunday. Yep. And then the week before, he was second in the Fed City crit. That's right. So I've got a new nickname for, for Bodie. All right. The Silver Bullet. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. That means his hair is going to start going gray now. <laughs> Although I don't know that it would matter. It's sort of well, like I think, mine, right? I think, you know, he just, uh, yeah. I mean, if we just paint the top of his head silver, yeah. I think that would work great. Yeah, I actually did mention that to Bodie. I said he you'd got a nice string of second place finishes going. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, that's the, uh, that's the, uh, that's the Lambert Crits. And uh, good luck to Bodie racing in, uh, in Tulsa Tough. Questi giorni quando vieni il bel sole la, 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 uh yeah so europe uh there's been a lot of bike racing this weekend yeah, I'm going to have to rely on you really to to walk me through a lot of this because uh I've tried to keep up but again, spent two days this weekend racing. Uh, Monday was a rest day in the Giro, and um, then we picked back up. But the last two days, I have managed to to stay on top of things for the last couple of days. But yeah, I mean, you want to you want to chat about the Giro and just give some give some highlights and lowlights and yeah, I various mean, thoughts. We were kind of last last week on the podcast. We were sort of lamenting how boring the Giro had been so far. Well, we, we posed the question in the title of last week's episode, That's right. when, when does the Giro start? And I think this week we got our answer. Yeah, well, it, it started that, that very next day, and uh, it really started to to light up. I mean, we had had one sort of, one interesting stage where the break went away uh, in the first week, and we, we, we didn't really touch on that because we were talking about how boring most of it was, but there was a stage where um, Fausto Masnada won, from the breakaway, uh, Androni Giocattoli Sidomek rider. Uh, basically, last year they they were in the break for every single road stage of the Giro. They got themselves in the break. You know, Pro Conti team 
If you want to see a jersey with more logos than an outlet mall, then that is it. It's, you know, I mean, they're, they're on a shoestring budget, but really kind of an interesting team. Uh, very, they're charismatic uh, director sportif Gianni Savio. Well, and the stage that you mentioned that Masnata won, you had uh, yeah. Gianni Savio sprinting up yeah. the, the finishing straight uh, as the race was as the race was about to, to come in, he was so excited. It, it, Masnata had the race fairly yeah. much in hand at that point in time, and he was sprinting well, turn, up yeah, the... Yeah, so they turned the team cars off, you know, and everything. But he's like, gets out of the team car, and he's running up, you know, between the barriers uh, to, to get to the finish line. Uh, and, it's, and he's always impeccably dressed in a suit, and... Uh, but, he, but he wears running shoes, you know, j- for just such a, an, an occasion. You know, just a great, um, great story. Masnada won a couple of stages in the uh, Tour de Suisse. In fact, he was the only person other other than uh, the Ineos riders that that won stages in that. Um, well, that was that was last week, and that was one of the few highlights, yeah. kind of, of the boring part of the Giro. And then things turned around. But again, today. Uh, I think it was today, or maybe it was yesterday. You had Masnada in the break again. He's been in the break a lot. Uh, his other teammate, Matti Catania, has also been in breaks, uh, and in, in, uh, you know, primarily in the uh, what we're calling the Lombardia stage, which we'll get to in a moment. But yeah, he finished second in that stage. Second in that, to, yeah, to Dario Cataldo, and uh, the. I think that what's, what's amazing about that, that team really punches above its weight in the Giro. It's their one big show of the year, and they really put on a show for everybody. They get somebody in the break pretty much, I think, pretty much every day. Well, it's interesting. I, as I was listening to the, I don't know if it was the most recent, or maybe it was the, the stage before the cycling podcast, and they were mm-hmm. actually talking about that, about what it takes for, you know, that that, that their team uh, is, is built as a team to get a rider in the break. They're yep. not looking to, you know, nope. if they can win a stage, great, you know, yep. but it, 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 they don't have a GC rider. Uh, they don't really have a sprinter. They're all about just getting in breaks. And they talk about the, the sort of effort that it takes, the team effort mm-hmm. to get one or sometimes two guys in a break, that the entire team of, you know, eight or nine riders, however many they may have left at any particular point in, yep. the, in the tour, is geared entirely toward working to get those couple riders in the break. Yeah. Interesting concept. And you know, on a specific stage, it might be one guy. That's that's the guy that we have to get up there. And all of the rest of you, it's like, you know, get him in there and then and then just get to the end of the stage, right? Yeah. But so, I mean, there are riders that are break specialists that seem to have what it takes mm-hmm. to always get in the break. And I'm guessing one of the things that, that that is is the ability to put out 400 watts for you know, 10 minutes and then still survive over, you know, the, yeah. the, the rest of the race. Because it's not, you, you you can't just say to yourself, okay, I'm going to get in the break today. I mean, the, the, again, on this same cycling podcast uh, episode, there was a conversation with uh, some rider, I don't remember who it was, who had said, like, my goal today is to get in the break. And he didn't make it. He right. just didn't have the legs to, to get in the break. So it's not as easy as just going out and well, and like you said, it's choosing that moment, the right moment as well. It's like usually that first attack, that doesn't make it. But then there's some days where it does. It's, it's a matter of what do the GC teams want to happen that day? Who else goes with you? If the wrong guy goes with you, they're going to bring it back. You know, if it's somebody who's too close on 
on category and all that kind of stuff. And that's sort of the really the fascinating stuff that starts to happen the further into a grand tour you get. There'll be people who are like want to move up on GC. Um, they may not be threatening, you know, the the in this case the pink jersey leader. They may not be threatening him, but they might be threatening the guys at fourth or fifth place. And so their teams will try and stop it. You know, so there's all all the politics of of the breakaway are kind of fascinating. And that's what's interesting about watching the early parts of a stage and the ferocity sometimes of, of people trying to get away. It, but, it, it's also one of the things that, that does make Grand Tour racing interesting in its own right, that right. you don't get in a one-day classic. And yeah. you know, we've talked about how much we appreciate the one-day classics, uh, and, and, and I especially have sort of dismissed you know, grand tour racing on some level as being not as exciting, but it's, it's things like what we're talking about here. The idea of, you know, guys getting in breaks, you know, uh, lesser riders, uh, with the, with the being, being let loose to, to, to win stages. And we've now gotten to the point in, in grand tours where some of the, the sort of also ran contenders, you know, some of the people, uh, and I, we can get into names as we as we move through our discussion of the Giro. But some of the some of the potential one-time GC threats that have lost enough time um, are now maybe trying to save their save their Giro by yeah. going out and trying to get a stage win. Right. Um, and yeah, and and to do that, you then late the later it goes in the Giro, the more likely they're going to let a break go with people who are further back. So there's, there's more opportunity um, that happened today. A bunch of people went in the break, you know, people who were trying to save their Giro, basically, and get a stage win. Okay, so let's, let's just sort of briefly talk about where we are now. It's mm. Wednesday. We are recording again on a, on a Wednesday. Yep. And this Wednesday, we have just concluded stage 17 of the Giro. That's right. Four um, days left. Which was the, the, the second sort of uh, mountain stage. Uh, in a row, we've been in the mountains a good bit over yeah. the last uh, over the last few days. But we we had a we had a rest day on Monday, and then we've had two mountain stages. Mm. Uh, we've got um, we have uh, uh, Carapaz. I guess is it Ricardo or is it Richard? It's it's listed as it's, Richard Carapaz. Well, yeah, I think it's Richard Carapaz. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we Carapaz is in is in uh, pink. Has been for the past four days. Um, I guess the biggest news since we last recorded is that uh, Primoz Roglic has gone from being the um, the main uh, GC favorite to now having slipped and lost some time, and, mm. and uh, Carapaz seems poised at this point yeah. uh, to to win uh, his first Grand Tour. Uh, depending on certainly anything can happen as we've as we've seen in the past, but. Roglic is in third place now, uh, two minutes and 16 down, and Vincenzo Nibali is in second place at a minute 54 down. Yeah. Uh, so, Matt, I mean, I know you had just some some general thoughts about what's happened over the last week, uh, movers and shakers, and and how we got to, to the point that we're at now. Well, I think it's just really interesting to see how the tables have been turned a bit, and Movistar have really been in the ascendancy, they they look by far the strongest team. They always have the most people left when it comes to the you know the big final climb. They've still got Carapaz has support from you know the likes of Landa and uh, you know and a bunch of their other other great riders. And uh, so I think they've got 
they, they look to have the strongest team. Nibali has had uh, amazing support from, uh, from uh, Caruso, you know, an incredible rider. And then yesterday he had incredible support from Antonio Nibali in uh, going up the Mortirolo, you know, giving absolutely everything. It was, that was a, a great thing to see, you know, leading out his older brother. So, and Roglic has been exposed, been like completely left alone. And obviously not having Lawrence de Plus, who pulled out sick in the first week and not having Robert Hessink, who got, who um, I think broke something right before, before the, the start of the race, right before the start of the race and yeah. got replaced at the last second by Sepp Kuss, who's a great rider, but very young. And, uh, you know, obviously fairly exper- inexperienced when it comes to like Grand Tour racing. Uh, his team have really looked very fragile and and he's really le- been left to his own devices when it when it's really mattered and uh, and hasn't had that support to to help him especially when Nibali or Lander have been putting in ferocious attacks well it's interesting this seems to be the year that this kind of uh, uh two-pronged approach or sometimes three-pronged approach from Movistar. I mean, they came into this race without mm. a clear team leader. I mean, maybe maybe somewhere on some dossier somewhere there was some suggestion that Carapaz was going to be the guy. But I don't think anybody had told Landa that coming into the race. Yeah. I think it, it was it was sort of a let's see what happens. Um, that hasn't worked well for them sometimes in the past. No. Uh, but it seems to be working well for them this year. Yeah. And it it, 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 with with the, with the caveat that at this point they seem to have now decided to put all their eggs in the Carapaz basket, uh, Landa has been resigned yet again. A rider always seems to be uh, someone who's who's uh, there to play super domestique to to someone else on his team. He's he's having individually a great race. Mm. Um, and 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 looks to be getting kind of stronger as the as the race goes on, doesn't yeah. he? Wouldn't be surprised if he's if he's given the, the the freedom to maybe try to get out and and win one of these last few stages. He's down enough on GC that he's no real threat to to Carapaz. He's and, moved. At, he's in fifth overall right now. Uh, fifth let's or see. Fourth, he's I think moved into fourth place fourth at three place. minute three minutes down. So yeah. yeah, I mean, assuming that he's there to support Carapaz, it may be one of those situations like we've seen with you know Froome and Wiggins when when um, you know of course there was a, a little bit of drama surrounding that, but some of those uh, tours where where uh, or that. One particular tour in 2012, when when Froome was there to support Wiggins, and uh, once it was clear that he'd you know done his work and delivered Wiggins to the place that he needed to be delivered, he was he was free to to go out and try to uh, win uh, a stage or or maybe two in that tour. Mm. We'll see uh, if Landa's given that. Be also nice. I mean, Landa's clearly a rider that could still make it onto the podium. He's yeah. um, 45 seconds or so down on on Roglic at this point. Um, I don't know. I have to say, I mean, it does look like Carapaz is is poised uh, to to. Uh, it's his it's his race to lose. He's on my fantasy team, so mm. I have a, a a reason to to want him to continue to do well. But I have to say, my sentimental favorite in this race um, has has become Nibali. He's he's the guy that I'd love to see win this race. Yeah, as I'm sure all of Italy would too. Yeah. Um, well, he, it's just been he's been so attacking and amazing. And I think the other day on Sunday, the what was effectively the um, Il Lombardia stage. I mean, it was it was almost a 
you know a complete copy of of the uh, of the of the full uh, uh, monument the you know the tour of lombardy and uh, it was spectacular racing with nibali attacking on the penultimate climb uh really putting putting roglish under all kinds of pressure uh a great breakaway finish between cataldo and catanio uh cataldo taking the win there and uh you know that was just classic it felt like it was like a one day classic in the middle of a grand tour which was which was pretty spectacular and the weather has been pretty atrocious this year the 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 stage yesterday the Motirolo climb was just i mean that's i don't know if you've watched it yet but I would just watch from from that point on where they ascend into the clouds and the weather just gets worse and worse and uh you know spectacular spectacular stage just like very atmospheric and uh you don't really know what what's going on just because the weather's so bad up there really great racing um the descent off there was absolutely treacherous it's amazing that nobody went down um, as far as I know, no. Well, th- wasn't that the? Isn't that when Roglic crashed? No, that was on the Lombardia stage. Oh, but that's the, right. the one that finished in Como, yeah. um, where he, his, he had a, some kind of mechanical issue with his bike. He swapped. Um, he had to swap bikes with his teammate because the guys in the team car were actually taking a nature break at the time. And his bike wound up on the Bahrain Merida Movistar Movistar's team car. Yeah, okay. because uh, I guess Tollhook you know, was there, had given him his bike. And I guess their bikes are pretty similar in size. It's like a four mil difference in seat height or something. Uh, so he's riding his teammate's bike. Tollhook's there with, standing by the side with his broken bike. Uh, the team car's nowhere in sight. Movistar gave him a bike to ride, uh, hmm. which is kind of uh, interesting. Well, and that brings up the question of what we talked about on last week's episode. Yeah. Is that is that legal? Did anyone pay a penalty for that? They Apparently they didn't. And I don't know if it's because the commissaires didn't notice it at the time. And so it never came up. But uh, I think, you know, under other circumstances, if that had been caught on camera, then possibly they would have been fined. I don't know. Yeah. I know, oh. you know, what did, uh, I think when it was, uh, Richie Port took a wheel from another rider, he ended up getting what, like two minutes. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. That's the point we were making in the, in the podcast a couple of weeks back. Yeah. So, I mean, Rog, Roglic, uh, you know, who looked so dominant early on in the race with those two time trial wins and, and everything the, you know, it said maybe it could go even worse for him. Maybe, maybe Lander could get on the podium as well. Maybe. You know, maybe maybe somebody else could come. Maybe Nibali could win this race. We've seen Nibali do it in the last week weekend of a Giro before, where it looked like it was you know, it wasn't going to happen for him. It's it seems very open racing, and we still got some hard racing to go. And we do have a time trial left, uh, the final final day time trial. Yeah. And so Roglic is likely, assuming he's he's fit at all, he's likely to regain some time on just about everybody in that in that final time trial. So I, th- I think it's only about what. 17k or something that so not too much time so to not a lot of not a lot of uh, room to make to make that time up there so uh, also we'll note that Nibali has won the Giro in 2013 mm-hmm. 2016 mm-hmm. 2019 would be another three so he tends to win it every three years yeah so this would this would be uh that would be this yeah. would be the third year yeah so yeah, well, it's, uh, who knows? So it's going to be, I think the next few days are going to be exciting. There's only one sprinty stage left, and uh, so it's going to be uh, two more mountain stages. Saturday is going to be a big one. 
uh, big, big mountain stage, and then that final TT. So speaking of sprinty and sprinters, mm. um, Arno Demar is still in the, the leader in the points classification, yep. uh, and he has survived over all of these, all of these big mountains, and um, it looks to be looks to be poised to to take the uh, the Chiclamino. Yeah, but there is one more sprint stage, and him and Pascal Ackerman, I think, are fairly close on uh, on the points in that contest, and he's still in it too. So, we'll we'll see about that. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of Frenchmen, like Arnaud Demar, today we had uh, a Frenchman, uh, Nan Peters, Nans Peters, yeah, who's apparently named after a detective in a '70s French TV show. Okay. Yeah, which, not uh, familiar with that one. No, I wasn't either. I just uh, that was an interesting piece of nugget of information. But this was AG, AG2R's first Giro d'Italia stage win since 2011. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yes, that's it a, is. eight years since they've had a win in the Giro. Um, so that was that was a big deal for them. And coming from an unlikely an unlikely player, I mean, you yeah. know, it, Nan Peters is 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 not a is not a climber of, of any great renown. Um, it was just, uh, as you described earlier, the sort of circumstances of this, of this race worked out well. Where he, you know, got in a break, stayed away in a break, made the right move at the right time, and um, it was the, the right sort of finish for him. I guess he's a bit of a ruler and sort of had the ability to, to be able to sort of power up the final climb. Yeah, I mean, there's, there were some big names in that in that breakaway too. And Malcolm uh, Alamo was in it. Uh, was he? I think he was. Uh, I know that um, uh, uh, Bob Jungles was in. I'm there. sorry, that's what I meant to say. Yeah. I said Malcolm Alamo. I meant to say Bob Jungles. Yeah, Bob Jungles was in there. He's not had a very good year. This um, amazingly, De Koenig Quipstep have not. Well, I'm going to say officially won a stage. They had the one where. Uh, Viviani Vivian, was relegated. Yeah, relegated. Viviani got renegated in the sprint. Uh, he did come across the line first. So, um, yeah, that not been great for them. Uh, one more shout out to um, Ciccone, Giulio Ciccone, who has absolutely dominated the mountains competition and won the stage yesterday, was first over the Motorolo and, uh, and out-sprinted Jan Hurt uh, for the finish in the breakaway with his teeth chattering all the way on that descent off the Motorola. Yeah, and, big, and that long big win for Trek. Yeah, they needed that because they've had a lousy spring. Yeah. Nothing much to talk about there. And uh, and this was uh, this was the result that they really needed. Yeah, and speaking of Balcom Olima, he's um, sort of disappeared from, disappeared from you know, contention. Not that he was ever really, you know, in contention in this race. But is he still sitting fifth uh, right now? I think? Uh, he's fifth, yeah, five yeah. minutes down. Yeah, so I mean, you know, he top five, um, which yeah. is kind of Balcomolima territory, let's be honest. I guess you're usually. right, but I think he had, I think he had, I think he had designs on, uh, on a better finish than that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think a podium was, was uh, and look, who knows? Maybe a podium is still a realistic result for him. Still four days to go. Who knows? Uh, yep. So, and then, yeah, so then just to round out, uh, Miguel Angel Lopez, Superman Lopez mm-hmm. is uh, in sixth. Rafa Micah slipping down to seventh. Simon Yates in eighth. Yeah. Uh, Paul Sivakov in ninth. And uh, David Formolo, nice, nice ride for him in uh, tenth overall. Yeah. And then the last couple of days, the two EF Education riders, Hugh Carthy and Joe Dombrowski, have really kind of uh, 
you know, had some really some some strong rides. They're kind of like gradually eking up the the top fifteen. Uh, yeah, Hugh McCarthy right is in thirteenth, and I did, that's as far down as the list that I have goes. But I think Dombrowski is just behind one, one him. One spot behind him, I think. Yeah, yeah. in fourteenth. Yeah, uh, and yeah, uh, those guys riding riding you know very well. Hugh McCarthy, especially, it's been great to see. He made a huge huge move. Mm-hmm. On uh, was it the Mortarolo stage yeah. uh, to to bridge up to Vincenzo Nibali's yep, wheel? That's right. Uh, and uh, and then park himself right on there for a while, <laughs> yeah. uh, much to much to Nibali's consternation, I think. But although Hugh Carthy said they shook hands at the end of the at the end of the stage and there was no real bad blood, but it it looked a couple times like Nibali was sort of like, dude, if you're gonna sit there, you gotta you know you gotta come through and do something. You know, yeah. help me out a little bit here. I'm trying to I'm trying to claw some time back in this race <laughs> yeah uh, i wonder if he said the same thing that he said to roglic uh, a few days earlier when he was basically sitting on nibley's wheel and he said uh he said if you're going to follow me you can follow me all to the all the way to my house and uh, and i'll show you all my trophies yeah it's <laughs> good yeah uh, what else is going on in Europe? I mean, so we, we're, we're going to come back at that, and, and we'll finish up the Giro, and on next week's episode, we'll know uh, we'll know who who uh, who done won the race. Uh, but for now, uh, we'll uh, we'll await an exciting finish. Yeah. Uh, anything else happening over in, in in Europe? Well, there was one thing that we haven't even discussed at all. We didn't talk about it last week, and in our conversations, in our text conversations and stuff, while you guys were. Uh, out of town, we didn't mention it, but there is uh, some. There was something else going on uh, this weekend. Uh, would that be the Hammerfest? That's right, the Hammer Series. Oh, that was just a guess. I yeah. didn't know that was where you were going with this. Uh, I don't want to talk too much about it. It's kind of interesting. It's like it's a lot of weird. It's a weird mix of stuff. Yeah. it's kind of fun to watch because they're short races. Uh, that that you know they end up being like two hour races. Um, it's one of those it's one of those race formats that if you watch it and you get into it for that moment that it's existing that weekend that it's existing and you can follow it and really yeah. get into it like I think we did with a few of the of the hammer races last year is this the second season or is this the third season third, all this of a sudden is the now? third season okay so the yeah. first one there was one race last season there were three races although yeah. the Hong Kong one seemed like a very sort of basic affair yeah I, I mean I was remember being really into it for that for that first season but it's kind of like if you're not really following it yeah. you're sort of like not interested in it at all um, the format was a bit confusing it's kind of because there's it's this team competition which is kind of cool and it's a chance for a lot of domestiques and stuff to shine yeah um, but my one standout like two kind of standout interesting things that I noticed from it the hammer climb uh, the rider that won the most points in the hammer climb was a sprinter, Sam Bennett. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, obviously, it was a very short, punchy climb, and he absolutely gave everything. I think he won five out of the ten uh, sprints there, and it looked like he maybe wouldn't finish. And if he didn't finish, uh, he wouldn't lose. He would lose all of his points. His team would lose all the points. Yeah. yeah. So um, that was that was kind of cool, um, and then. The final day is that crazy wacky races time trial and yeah. it ended up in a bunch time trial sprint between third, fourth, fifth, sixth and seventh teams. There was just this big massive run and it was 
they were all overtaking each other. I mean, for, for the stewards, you know, they're supposed to give each other room, but it's impossible when there's four teams all together in the same place at the same well, time. Yeah, well, that's what we saw in the finish of the very first ever Hammer yeah. Series, if you remember. It was a three-way sprint uh, yeah. in, in that race, and that, you know, that's exciting. It was, it's good stuff. And it was that one, we remember, was one, it was basically won by Teo Gagan Hart just staying ahead of uh, Sunweb, I think, the Sunweb rider. That's right. So yeah, Hammer Series um, tough, tough to follow when you've got the Giro going. That's on. what. Yeah, the, uh, the scheduling yeah. of this this one was the Norway one, Stavanger, um, yeah. which was um, cool circuits. You know that they had for it. It's just um, and they had some big names there. I mean, you mentioned Sam Bennett, yeah. uh, the sprinter, winning some of the climbing stages, but a bunch of a uh, bunch of classics riders essentially yeah. were there because obviously you know they've done with the classics and then the teams got you know riders at, at the Giro. Uh, and so uh, the, the sort of classic squads went uh, to this hammer. So some of the big bigger names uh, were up there. But yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I think yeah, you're right. I think timing wise, it's kind of unfortunate that it was during a big weekend of the Giro that that was going on. Well, we're making a concerted effort here on the Yeah You Ride podcast to uh, get into and follow some mountain bike World Cup this season. Yeah. Not that it's tough. No, uh, because it's some great, great racing action. Uh, and I did my first mountain bike race this this year. Really rode a mountain bike for all intents and purposes for the first time. So I know how fun it is to ride a mountain bike. And I also um, can now appreciate even more how cool it is to watch other people racing mountain bikes. And being a, an off road sort of cyclocross fan, uh, it's kind of a really cool. Uh, format and really, uh, you know, interesting, interesting racing to watch. Mm. Uh, and and so, Matt, I'm going to turn it over to you to talk a bit about the most recent installment of the Mountain Bike World Cup. Uh, yeah, great racing. I mean, the the way, so the last weekend, the previous weekend, you know, we talked about it last week. Um, and uh, Kate Courtney was dominant in the women's race, winning the, the Friday short track race, which is basically a 20-minute uh, 20 minute race on a very short circuit not you know generally like not as not particularly hilly but uh, very fast and 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 fun and uh, this week uh, she finished I think third in the short track and totally amazing comeback in the in the uh, in the XEO which I guess what does the O stand for open I guess maybe that's the that's the, you know the full format race, which is generally around an hour and a half ish. Um, right on a on a longer course. Longer course, um, very technical course uh, on this one. Not as hilly as as last week, but certainly way more technical. A lot of roots, a lot of rocks, um, the uh, jumps, you know, all kinds of stuff. I mean, the skills that they have to have uh, in in cross country these days seem you know, it feels like it stepped up a lot. It used to be. I remember there used to be like XC Snooze Fest. There was one where one of the giant team guys uh, in the short track showed up on his road bike because the course was so tame. Whereas the, there's no way you could do that on these courses. These are like serious mountain bike courses. Uh, she had an, a flat early on, which wasn't caught on camera, unsurprisingly, uh, because the coverage is just phenomenal. The, uh, you know, Red Bull TV, amazing coverage. Uh, not only the, you know, all the static cameras they have out on course, but then... They also have um, they also have people running up behind riders up the climbs. You know, actually like running on the course up behind them with with handheld cameras and stuff. Yeah, which you know, with taking these great low shots and stuff. I mean, the the, the production values are phenomenal. Somehow that didn't get caught, and like the announcers didn't know 
why she dropped back. She was up in that front group, you know, with uh, kind of the usual suspects of this year, including uh, Yolanda Neff. But she'd had a puncture, had a very fast tire change, managed to pull herself back. Uh, other riders had issues. She pulled away and managed to, to win solo. So again, she's just, you know, she's totally dominating in the women. And then in the men's, it was, you know, one, and an, it was a tour de force by Matthew Van der Poel. And, and it was his first ever World Cup win. He's yep. won the uh, he's won short Dutch, track. Yeah, he's won short track. He's won the Dutch national uh, yep. championship. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and, and some other second, races. Second before, like last year, he finished uh, second to Nino Schurter, I think, in one of the races. And this year, it was him and Nino off the front for pretty much the whole race. And uh, he just put in an absolutely ferocious attack on one of the final climbs, pretty much second to last, you know, uphill section. Like I said, they're not long climbs on this course, but he just put in a blistering attack and gapped Nino by a good 10, 15 seconds over the top of that climb, you know, just really just blew him away and uh, and soloed into victory. And, and also he absolutely blew everybody away in the short track too. He went, I think it was about 10 laps, the short track race. And I think on like lap seven or something, he just went off the front and uh, and nobody could bring him back. So yeah, his first ever mountain bike World Cup. I mean, what a what a year so far. First ever mountain bike World Cup, first ever World Tour race, and he's world champion in cyclocross again. Yeah, and he seemed legitimately excited yep. uh, about winning his first mountain bike World Cup race. I mean, if you think you know, it's funny. Maybe I need to retune my perspective on things. But I mean, if you think about all of the Palmares that he's you know, that he's added this year, again, uh, you, you just mentioned them, you know, you would think that, uh, you know, winning, winning a mountain bike world cup race would be, you know, humdrum compared to, to some of that, but he was completely stoked and, and, uh, and, and good for him. Yeah, no, I mean, he was, I think he was, you know, he was saying like, you know, guys like Nino Schurter are are his idols. They're the, you know, super, super strong racers. Uh, and, uh, you know, like we said last week about Kate Courtney, it's like it'd be interesting to see some of those riders in other disciplines and, and see how they do, you know, because obviously they've got amazing technical skills. They've got phenomenal power and and stamina. And, uh, you know, the mountain biking at that level is obviously incredibly difficult. So, yeah, uh, great, great action. I recommend anybody just go onto Red Bull TV. You can watch any of the races that have been so far. Uh, and there's lots of other great footage on there too. Um, brilliant stuff. Speaking of uh, bike racing that you can go online and watch, uh, we've got USA Crits on USA Crits TV. There mm-hmm. was uh, or the Winston-Salem race was this weekend. Again, happened to be at exactly the time on Saturday evening that Bodie and I were racing in the, the 3-4 race yeah. uh, Saturday, Saturday evening. Uh, but we finished the race and were able to catch the finish uh the last 
six or seven laps of the Winston-Salem race on Saturday. And a friend of the podcast and and, and our friend uh, Tom Gibbons uh, finished eighth. He Mm -hmm. seemed to be a bit disappointed with that. I guess he finished second in the field sprint uh, because it was a break, I think, of six riders that stayed away um, that, that were that were P1 through 6, and Tom, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Just was behind. out-sprinted by Ty Magner. Yep, Ty Magner was there. Uh, yeah, there were some big hitters that showed up for that race, um, but yeah, Ty Magner just pipped in to the line in the bunch sprint. Uh, but the fact that uh, Tom was there and, and got good points from that, you know, obviously it's shown up, uh, and uh, he has now extended his lead in the USA crits overall. Uh, because of that so that was great right, so he went into the race as the leader and then extended extended his race lead uh, by virtue of his eighth place finish and and speaking of that it's funny because Bodie and I were you know had just finished our race we were a bit you know a bit sort of penned from from having just raced yeah uh, and so maybe our brains weren't working uh, super well but we were looking for Tom in the race and we just couldn't find him we thought oh shit you know Tom's out <laughs> Uh, because we were looking for the black and white automatic jersey, not mm. realizing or not thinking about the fact that Tom would be wearing the USA Crits leader's jersey, which is kind of a weird kind of like data print, fade, orangey, white kind yeah. of thing. It's uh, And also he's now wearing his uh, Abus or Abus uh, helmet, which is an orangey red. Right. Yeah, so... Uh, you know, great result for Tom. Obviously helped by as well that uh, it didn't hurt that Texas Roadhouse just didn't show up for that race for some reason. I'm not not sure why, but uh, that certainly assisted him because I think they were sitting second and third overall with uh, Daniel Holloway and uh, uh, remind me of the other gentleman's name. Summerhill. Summerhill. Danny Summerhill. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so that's great news. And then. Uh, Tom also had uh, a great result on Monday. He drove after that crit. The next day, they drove up to Somerville, Somerville New Jersey, which is basically his home race, right? He's uh, he's from New Jersey. Apparently one of the oldest crits in the country. So, yeah, I believe so. And uh, he got second there. So uh, Not part of the USA Crit Series, just a standalone no. race. But a big race, right? Still a big, uh, a big event. And I just saw that... Uh, Adam Myerson, who we talked about last week for his uh, his video from uh, the week before's uh, race. Which, Wilmington, Delaware, yes. Yeah. So his his video that he posted there, he just posted a video, I think, of the whole uh, race of uh, Somerville. So I want to I wanna go check that one out. Yeah, and then I also saw a tweet from Automatic uh, that Lauren was saying somewhat tongue-in-cheek and, and, a, and, and a bit sort of... Uh, uh, you know, with the with the, the the smirky the smirky smile emoji uh, that she had finished her first crit of the season and was very happy about that. She's had some um, health problems in some of the races that she's raced, and um, specifically asthma, suffering from from asthma, and has uh, not not finished. So I, I don't know where she finished, but I know she was pretty thrilled to have finally gotten that monkey off of her back and 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 finished with the pack at least in. Uh, in Somerville, I believe. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and also, we just got uh, a sneak preview, didn't we, of uh, 
that uh, Automatic Racing have now got their official skin suit. Yeah, that's yeah. great. And it looks fantastic. We talked about it last week. We'd seen a mock-up of it, or we'd seen yep. uh, a, um, a, a, yeah, a, a PDF mock-up of it that they had, had used in one of their Instagram stories. But we've actually now seen a photograph of the actual kit, which I presume means that they're in and in real life, and uh, and they'll be they'll be wearing those. Although Tom won't be wearing that in the. Uh, USA Crit Series, That's right. because he's he will still be wearing the the leader's jersey. Yeah. So yeah, great, uh, great looking classic design, very Molteni esque. Uh, kudos uh, on the black bibs, and uh, they got the nice big uh, Viking yachts logos on the side. They're uh, their main sponsor. Yeah. yeah. So uh, could have put a big sailboat on there, you know, but. Uh, <laughs> Glad they didn't. Yeah, I guess actually Viking is a is a yacht. You could put a big yacht on there. Let's say. Yeah. Sort of a yacht sailing through, uh, sailing through like a, um, you know, sailing through the sea, sort of airbrushed, mm. sort of vibe. Maybe that's what's on the back, and we don't. A we yacht just don't with the sunset. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, exactly. and palm trees. Very, very reminiscent of our harbor master. Yeah. Uh, kind uh, of a yacht rock ship. theme. Yeah. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, but no, they went classy, and I'm glad they did. <laughs> Tom sent us a message asking trash or panache. Yes, definitely, uh, definitely panache. Immediate panache in, in, in my book. Yep, yep. Uh, unanimous panache on that. Uh, looking forward to seeing that uh, on uh, on our screens. So let's close this episode out with a little talk about uh, Dirty Kanza, which is coming up this weekend. Yep. A bunch of our teammates from Urban South Racing mm-hmm. have gone up. The uh, the boss women, uh, Elise, Allie, uh, Christina, or excuse mm-hmm. me, Elise, Allie, uh, Catherine, and uh, Emily, mm-hmm. and Sarah Sneath. Yep. Uh, are all up doing various versions of DK. I know some of them are doing the 100 miles. Yep. Uh, and some, I know Emily, I think Emily and Sarah Sneath are doing the, and and Elise are doing the 200. Yes. And Catherine and um, Allie are doing the 100. Yeah, so uh, I didn't realize that Emily was going to be doing the 200, but I guess... Uh, Somebody, uh, somebody wanted to switch from the 200 to 100, and uh, and so she traded with them. Uh, she was originally scheduled to do the 100. Uh, so best of luck to all of them. Uh, and Bodie, as we said, is going to be going up there and uh, and uh, and helping them out uh, with support. Um, yeah, uh, super exciting. And and we also heard some pro news uh, regarding Kanza. This is the EF uh, Rafa. Uh, yep. Situation. So, Who do we? We've got Tay uh, uh, Tay. Yep. Tay-Tay's Taylor going. Finney. Yep. Uh, and two others, and I don't Alex remember the Howes. other two. Yeah. And Lachlan Morton. Okay. So Lockie. Uh, Lockie. Yeah. Lockie Morton, uh, who likes a little bit of gravel, as we know. Uh, so they're going, and then we just found out uh, that Kiel Reinen and Peter Stettiner of Trek Segafredo are also going to be there. Ah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Peter Stettner, who also I think was at the Belgian Waffle Ride, we talked about, it. right? Yeah, won it. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think he'll be riding his uh, Madone on uh, on twenty eight mil tires this time. I think he they they've got uh, custom uh, 
track cross checks for them and i'm sure they're riding like 42s or something on them but yeah it's going to be uh super exciting of course a friend of the podcast yuri Hauswald is going to be there riding a brand new full suspension uh gravel bike uh from from niner bikes uh i'm sure ted king and uh, a lot of the other usual suspects are going to be there uh i saw that um jeff kabush jeff kaboom kabush uh was um railing against uh people on uh, on uh, tri bars again so we'll we'll see who shows up with tri bars and who doesn't um but uh yeah i'm looking forward to it i is there going to be a feed of this and is there going to be any kind of a kanza video feed i don't think so right uh, not that I know of. Yeah, uh, there was that April Fool's joke about NBC Sports uh, <laughs> showing the twenty-four-hour um, uh, live stream of, uh, of 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 Dirty Kanza, but of course that was exactly what it was, which yeah. is an April Fool's joke. Uh, would be nice. Uh, Got to be virtually impossible to do. Um, so uh, I, I think the answer is no. Yeah, unfortunately, but I think we should, after the race, we should get some good content to see. I'm sure that uh, the EF uh, Rafa connection will be will be making a special uh, a special video that'll be on their YouTube channel about uh, about the team doing Kansas. So I'm pretty jazzed about that. Uh, I think it's uh, it's. I mean, is it as Kansas? Is it over now? Because because World Tour teams are showing up for it. I don't think so. I you know. Look, I have to say, I think a lot of it's going to have to do with what Rafa and EF do, um, th- how they cover it. Mm. You know, do they do they do it justice, and do they do they produce a, a, a product that is you know after the fact, obviously because you know they're not they're not doing any sort of live streaming of it. But you right. know, do they is is the is the product that they produce um, after DK? You know what? What's it? What's it going to look like? Right. And and I think if they I think if they do it right, this could all actually be um, a, a big a big boon to 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 uh, DK and to gravel racing in general. Yeah. So, I, but you know, but look, I'm not I'm not part of the original gravel family. So you're sort of asking the the wrong guy. Right. Um, we did talk to Yuri about this, and we sort of asked him his thoughts. And he was a little, and rightly so, a little cagey about it, um, you know, because he... Uh, uh, it's his I, thing. Yeah, it's his thing. I, yeah. I don't think he wanted to, to come out, you know, strongly on, on one side or the other. Uh, but, you know, I, I, think, I think it's great that, that it's, it's bringing notoriety to the event. If I'm the, if I'm the, the, the race promoter, um, you know, uh, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, obviously the publicity is great for them. It puts it on a more. I mean, they're both American teams, um, but uh, but it it gives a little bit a bit more sort of a global audience to it. I think uh, I, I understand how there'll be some that it, it takes away from the kind of uh, the ad hoc uh, amateur status of it. But it seems that in the last few years, it's got to be such a big event anyway. It's uh, you know it's 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 outgrown that that. Um, those those sort of like early um, ad hoc sort of stages of, of the thing, and uh, as far as I'm, it, I think I would think some of the riders would be like, okay, this is an extra challenge, and and that we're going to have these guys show up, and you know, I, the 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 Yuris of this world and everything have got a lot of experience in in this kind of racing that these guys don't, 
So they might, you know, it's uh, it could be it could be interesting. The the, the world tour guys aren't necessarily going to come and blow everybody's doors off. I don't think. I think this is a very unique and difficult uh, challenge. Yeah, and it does sound like Rafa and EF are playing along with the whole sort of amateur. Uh, nature of this they're they're mm-hmm. setting up uh in the expo area they're gonna be out there meeting and greeting the the fans and and again you know i mean to go, going back to my point about you know how they handle it you know if they're there as part of the family and meeting people and and sort of getting into that vibe that's great if they're there as you know as you know distant pros which i can't i just don't see taylor finney no showing up and and being a a distant aloof pro at this thing i think taylor finney shows up and he's an every man um and, and and is just there to ride it and have fun and do it the right way they've picked the right guys to be there yeah i think so definitely uh, i think they've got a they've got a good team going to it yeah i can't i can't wait to see it and i'm also really looking forward to the new rafa cowboy hat that they'll be uh releasing for this is that right no, I just okay. made that up. I'm just but, because Rafa is releasing some new line of, you know, rando wear yeah. in connection with this, and I haven't seen it, and I'm not sure exactly what it is. Well, but, I'm, hope, but I'm it, hoping it's cowboy boots and cowboy hat. I don't think it's going and, to and be a Rafa belt buckle. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Well. Is that it? I think. I think that's it. I think we about covered it for for tonight. Uh, I'm sure Bodie will uh, message us once he listens with uh, all of his corrections, additions, and um, and criticisms. Yep. And we'll be looking forward to that. Well, I opened it up. I'm going to let you close it out tonight, Townsend. But uh, so this is um, Sir Cheerio. And uh, I forgot to mention uh, earlier that I did have a... Uh, an, an in-hand viewer, uh, viewer mail from a certain uh, Mr. Eric Kite, uh, as we were watching some racing together, he asked me, uh, why isn't there more, and this is, a, this is very relevant for you, Townsend, why isn't there more tandem racing? I think that would be really exciting. So that's something for us to discuss together later well, on. Well, I will close by saying uh, to uh, the aforementioned Lord Cheerio, that's Eric Kite, <laughs> Lord Cheerio, right? Yes. To Lord Cheerio, that uh, I I did indeed uh, race my tandem with uh, uh, Kurt Durand, and uh, we had a blast. And uh, you should have been there to to, to check it out. And uh, I I wholeheartedly endorse uh, more more tandem racing. Uh, but but I will close by saying uh, that this is the T Bone encouraging one and all to go participate in the Hammerdall Classic mm. this weekend. Uh, Saturday morning road race, Saturday evening uh, criterium, and Sunday morning criterium. It's an omnium. You can register for all or any one of those events. Yep. I will only be able to go to the Sunday race because I'm at a wedding on Saturday, and I'm actually pretty bummed about that because the road race course looks super cool. Yep. heard a lot of chatter about it uh, in, uh, in uh, Tupelo uh, last weekend. That race is this weekend, put on by our good friend Dustin Drews. It's a fantastic uh, circuit um, and and a fantastic course for the Criterium Saturday evening and and Sunday morning. So get out there and check that out. Support local racing. Uh, And if you race on Sunday, I'll see you there.